0: daily with Jason Mertidis. Welcome to your Monday, June 22nd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. A lot to get to in this episode, but first and foremost, uh, this episode brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. Let me tell you first and foremost that Matt Niskanen, Flyers defenseman, uh, will join me momentarily. You'll hear my conversation uh, with the former Stanley Cup champ, won it back in 2017 with the Washington Capitals, the only member of the Flyers to have hoisted the Cup. So uh, his experience and what he can lend to his players Uh, will be very important. Uh, going forward, and a very interesting conversation about that and much more, including how a veteran player, 33 years of age, been in the league a long time, how he's handled uh, the NHL pause. Now, a lot happening around the NHL this week, including uh, a likely announcement for hub cities. We should find out. uh, It seems like it's a foregone conclusion that Las Vegas will be one of the hub cities. Uh, Apparently, three of the Canadian cities are still in the mix, that being Toronto, Vancouver, and Edmonton, We'll find out if there will be one Canadian city, and obviously a lot of that even complicated further uh, by the test that came back positive to NHL players this past week. Uh, 11 players out of uh, 200 tested so far have come back positive, and uh, a lot of people, freaked a lot of people out. Here's the deal first and foremost. The NHL expected they would get positive tests as testing, and you got to remember, these players right now are not in in the bubble. Uh, The bubble will come. At the end of Phase 3 and Phase 4, what they have to do between now and then is test everybody, make sure everybody's clear before they enter the bubble. And, of course, you're going to have positive tests. You could have more positive tests. But what's the line of too many positive tests to where you start changing dates and moving things back? That's what they have to figure out, and we'll see how quickly the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had three players test positive, how quickly they can get their facility reopened. Uh, All players and staff have now been tested. They're awaiting some of those results. So pending how that goes, that should... uh If there's no more positive tests, they can probably get their facilities up and running uh, rather quickly. If there are more, then they're going to have to consider keeping them shut down until they have things under control there. We'll see how that plays out with Tampa and the other Florida market, the Florida Panthers as well. Um, Still some hockey hotspots, obviously Texas, Arizona, teams involved in those markets. So there's a lot of variables here. And still to come, a player vote on all the protocols and safety measures as they head into Phase 3 and Phase 4. Should they get to Phase 4, you would think then then you have control of the situation because, not complete control, but at that point, at least the bubble and everybody that entered the bubble when they entered it is clear and has not tested positive. So it's one of the elements I saw. I know people on social media saw that and said, shut it down, forget it. Uh, the league expected positive tests. In particular, when players are not in a shutdown environment in Phase 2, which is exactly what's happening right now. So we'll get Hub Cities this week and obviously continue to monitor the situation of positive players and see how that plays out. And then also on Wednesday of this week, we'll get the Hockey Hall of Fame induction class that will be announced. They're doing it all virtual this year. Um, and the debating uh, about amongst who should be a finalist and who should go into the Hall of Fame will all have to be done uh, over the computer. Some of the members, including Yari Curry, still in Europe. So obviously those players can't get back into town uh, for that. And then on Friday, to wrap up this week, really big week, it's going to be the NHL Draft Lottery. And it's not going to be the complete lottery, obviously. Uh, they're going to hold it on Friday, and um, we'll see how that plays out because uh, you know, we know seven of the teams that are in the lottery right now. It'll be uh, through the three draws. The seven teams that aren't returning to play will take part, and there'll be eight placeholder spots eligible to win the lotteries as well. We don't know who those teams are just yet. We won't know that until after the play-in round, best of five to get into the field of 16 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, still a lot going on this week, a lot to be determined, including a conversation coming up on Wednesday uh, with Flyers Hall of Famer legend Bob Clark uh, will be on this podcast coming up on Wednesday. So look forward to that conversation. But right now, let's get to Matt Niskanen. Before we do, let me tell you that this uh, podcast is brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling Traditional Lager. Here's my conversation with Flyers defenseman Matt Niskanen. Happy to have you join us right now on Flyers Daily. Flyers defenseman, big part of the team's success this season, Matt Niskanen joins us. Matt, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, It's been a crazy couple of months, and it's been uh, a while since we spoke. Um, how's it the last couple of months been for, for Matt Niskanen?
1: Well, uh, it's really bonkers, uh, everything that's going on. Um, Hard to believe, really, but this is where we're at. And um, All that being said, uh, it stinks that our season was interrupted, but I've been making do. Uh, Doing just fine, enjoying some time in Minnesota, lots of time with my family, and now it looks like we're turning the corner, headed towards some hockey again.
0: Yeah, that's the great news. And it's been now more than 100 days uh, since you guys played that last game on March 10th against Boston at home. Um, How have you handled the pause? Uh, Was there a period of time? Because there was so much uncertainty. Did you allow yourself to decompress like you would in a a normal offseason and then now are starting to ramp back up? Or how have you handled that uh, from a mental and physical standpoint?
1: Well, yeah, once I realized that um, the pause was going to be – longer than a week. I decided to uh, come home as quick as I could before the COVID stuff really took off on the east coast. I figured this would be the safest spot for me me and my family. So uh, we did that and I planned on taking about a week off no matter what and then it, you know the picture started to become more clear that this might last a while. So I approached this break as my summer vacation and took uh, roughly a month off and then started gradually ramping it back up in hopes that uh, the tide would turn and we'd start heading towards the season again. And here we are, you know, we've had some positive, positive outlooks, uh, kind of building over the last month or so. So I've been trying to ramp it up and I'm back on the ice now. Hopefully um, everything keeps tracking the way we, everybody hopes.
0: What's that process for you like uh, to kind of let, let go uh, mentally at the end of the season to let your head really clear uh, let your body start to recover because the rigors of an NHL season are no joke. Um, you've been in the game a long time, and, and have you kind of gotten better at letting the season go mentally? And this is a weird one because you didn't culminate it; you didn't get knocked out. Right. You're still, yeah. You know, so it's different. But uh, what's that process like for you to to kind of do that?
1: Yeah, it's it's different than a normal year because we don't have closure on the season yet. So, um but. At the same time, I think with this long of a break, and I think everybody knew it was going to be a while after, uh, within a week or 10 days after they paused the season, that um, you, you have to take some time when you can to uh, get away, um, stay off the ice, stay out of the gym for a little while. And I think the biggest thing is mentally just uh, recharge the batteries. So when it is time to come back for hockey, you're excited to go back, you're eager um you you got that hunger back so um it's just a little bit different in this scenario because it's going to be a a sprint right from uh the first first uh day of training camp it's going to be a you know a quick training camp and then you're right into the most important part of the season so uh, a little bit different uh scenario there but i think the break um, is really important for players
0: you use the word closure. It's a great word. Um, because, uh, teams like yourself that were having a really good season and you guys were playing great hockey, you hadn't lost back-to-back games since early January. And that's a trait of a really good team that uh, feels like it can do damage in the playoffs. Uh, how important is it for you, your teammates, the organization, the fan base all to get closure on this season? And that's one of the reasons why you guys are coming back.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, um, you know, we were in a good spot and, um, Really had a lot of momentum, I think, and which is what you want to build. And um, obviously, none of us had any control over what happened uh, with the pandemic in the country and the whole world, really. But um, we have the potential to really do some damage in the playoffs. I think we all felt that and believed that. Uh, We're showing it on the ice. So Um, unfortunately, that momentum's gone, I think. So we're going to have to quickly rebuild, and it's going to come down to I think, uh, which team can kind of get it together the quickest. Um, but we know that we can can do it because we've shown it. And, um, we could be a dangerous team if, uh, if everything comes together in, in short order.
0: Now you've played for some really high level, uh, NHL coaches and great minds, Dave Tippett, you're in Pittsburgh for that period of time with Dan Bilesma. You played under Barry and won a cup in Washington. Now you're playing under Elaine Vigneault. Um, Coaches knowing their players, their ability to run a bench, but knowing their players, when to when to push them hard and when to kind of get off the, the, the whip a little bit, if you will, will, will that be a big feel thing for these coaches to help get you guys back to the level of play that's going to be commensurate to, to have some success in the playoffs?
1: I think so. And I think A.V. has a pretty good pulse on uh, where the team's at um, physically, uh, mentally, you know, confidence-wise. And even on an individual level, he knows um, uh, he's got a really good feel for uh, which players he kind of has to stay on top of, which ones he can kind of leave alone a little bit and they'll, you know, their, their play will turn around or keep going. Or it um, he, he seems like to me, like he's a field coach and uh, uh, he's got a finger on it. So I, I think he'll be uh, he'll be on top of it and adjust on the fly as needed. And he's got a good staff around him too. That's got a ton of experience. So I think the, four of them uh, do a really good job.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, advantage to veteran players like yourself in this situation or advantage to younger players? I mean, nobody's ever gone through what we're do- going through in the pandemic and a pause. And like I said, it's been a hundred plus days since you guys played and all of a sudden your season just stopped. Um, I- I'm trying to figure out what's what the formula is for success coming out of this and i guess this is a better question after the fact you can answer but do, do you have any indication what the formula might be i really
1: don't um it's weird right? uncharted, <laughs> uncharted waters um you know on one hand i think well this time of year maybe a rest for older teams is really a nice thing and uh but is this rest too long now i don't know you know generally speaking I think young guys get back up to game speed a little quicker. Uh, So maybe they have the advantage now, the younger teams. Um, I I really don't know. I don't have a good answer for you there. I guess we're all going to find out on the fly, and it's going to be really important hockey from the get-go. You know, in a normal off-season, I skate for eight weeks leading up to it, and now it's going to be cut down to three, and then I guess maybe a little bit longer training camp before you play a game. But – you know, everything is condensed and because it has to be. And uh, I I really don't know how individual teams are going to react. And you've even seen like some teams, they come out like a bat out of hell the first part of the season, and then they just can't sustain it for an entire season and they miss the playoffs. Well, now a couple of those teams might be in the playoffs and it might be an advantage if they're a quick starting team. Normally uh, in, in the start of a season. Or maybe that doesn't translate to this scenario. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns here It's yeah. part of what might make, it, might make it exciting.
0: Yeah, my phrasing has been this. There's way more unknowns than there are knowns right now in every element. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but it's a great point that sometimes those young players maybe get up going uh, um, right away. But uh, is that sustainable? And you know, the other element, how big is it for a group, for the team, Um to gain some confidence early on and feel like you have a rhythm early on in these playoffs. Cause obviously you don't, you're not going to have that rhythm coming right out of a regular season. So the quicker you can gain a rhythm and confidence uh, could be the huge factor here.
1: I think so. I think that my best guess is that's going to be a team that or the teams that have successes. If they can get it together quickly, um, get back into their system, get back into a rhythm, um, feeling good about where they're at, have some confidence. They might um, have really good success in the little round robin that we're going to have or they're playing playoff series and then probably the first round. Now after everybody gets 10 games in, I think it's going to be kind of everything will kind of get back to normal uh, by the second, for sure the third round. Then we'll just be into playoff hockey and um, it'll be fine, but you got to get there. So it, it's going to really come down to, how fast can we get back to uh, a high level of play and give us a, a really good chance of success?
0: Um, t- talk about the, the playoff format. Um, not all the, not every player, not every team was in favorite to varying degrees. You're never going to make everybody happy, but as you see what they did and we understand the economics of the situation. You want to get markets like, a couple of original six markets or three of them with Chicago, Montreal and uh, New York involved from a revenue standpoint and, you know, recapture as much money as the league can, but with everything it had to lose. Um, But when you look at the the way they did it with the the 2014 field, the play in round and you guys in that round, Robin, what did you think of the format?
1: Uh, Well, I think they did a a really good job considering uh, everything that's going on. It was just an impossible situation. So I think it's probably the, the best thing that you can do out of a bunch of crappy situations. So, um, generally speaking, I think some teams that had no chance now have a chance. Um, but you don't want to see a team that was just barely out of it, not even get a chance when, the, when you didn't have the same amount of games played and stuff like that. So, um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, Boston was so far ahead, they could lose seeding potentially. Um, but overall, this is probably the best of every scenario that you can come up with, and I think they did a pretty good job with uh, just an impossible situation, like I, like I said.
0: You, you guys are in a great spot. As the four seed in the round robin, you can do nothing but move forward. If, you, if nothing great. changes, you're still the four. Um, to be able to go into that round robin knowing you have something to play for, but you can't lose anything, it's, can that be freeing mentally and uh, you know for you guys to ramp it up and, and be able maybe to improve your seeding?
1: Yeah, that's um, yeah, just the way the the chips fell. Like great for us, we can exactly they said we can move up, um, improve our seed a little bit. I think the trend over the last few years, um, seeding doesn't mean quite as much as it used to. But um, if it, momentum carries over, like from the season, we are dynamite at home. So the more home games we have, you know, that might help us. If it helps you in one game, that can mean the difference in moving on or not. So, mm-hmm. um, it's you know those three games are important for us. But if if uh, you know if, if we use it as a just a building block and we don't get results right away, I guess we don't we're not hurting standings by it. But uh, a lot of opportunity there for the Flyers.
0: Yeah, no doubt, uh, Matt. What's it going to be like for you, teammates? Uh, I imagine you haven't played in front of an empty building since maybe Pee Uh, what's it going to be like to play with no fans? I mean, you played and you won the cup. I mean, (laughs) you know, the the role that fans play in playoff hockey, those environments are raucous and crazy. And, you you know, you won a cup over Vegas. I mean, what's it going to be like to play playoff hockey without fans in the building in that atmosphere?
1: Oh, it's going to be different. And I think (laughs) it's going to take a lot away from it. I'm, you know, I'm reading that they're going to try to, Spice it up somehow. I don't know what the heck they're gonna do, but um, it's gonna take a, a lot away from it. Um, just uh, the energy in the building, and um, it seems like everything's magnified because everybody's so into the game. It's so much different than a, a regular season game. Um, I think once you get further along in the playoffs, you just you get so zoned in that the crowd maybe doesn't have as big of an effect as you thought. But there's little bursts of energy that you get, and uh, sometimes that can be a, a momentum swinger. All of a sudden you get a couple good shifts and the crowd starts feeling it. And uh, you can really feel like you're tilting the ice in your favor or against you. So um, it's an element that's not going to be there. Um, I don't think players are going to have any problem playing um, hard or with tons of passion or anything like that. Because there won't be fans there. You know, we're competitors and playing for the coolest trophy ever. So I I don't think that's going to be a problem. But having no fans is going to take something away from it.
0: Yeah, and they were talking about maybe pumping in crowd noise or playing music, and I, my thought is, d- don't even do that. We're, the people at home watching are going to know there's no fans. Don't try and fake us out like a 70s you know, <laughs> show with canned <laughs> laughter telling us when to laugh at that point. You know, uh, Yeah. You, you talked about, you just mentioned it, give you a burst you know, from the fans. Um, when a goaltender makes a really big save in a game, uh, one he clearly should not make, uh, that can give mm-hmm. a team a burst as well. We saw Carter Hart do that several times this year, uh, save on Taylor Hall in the five on three, uh, Panarin backdoor, those kind of things. And I mean, you saw one up close mm-hmm. and personal in, in Washington when, when Holtby, I mean, Holtz makes that save with the paddle. Um, what kind of yeah. energy can that provide a team with outstanding goaltending?
1: Oh, it's just not only do is every goal so important in the playoffs, you know, so you're saving a for sure goal. Um that's huge, and then it just gives you. I think the guys in front of the goalie confidence that they're just they can play free. You don't have to worry; you're not on your heels because you. It's almost like a message sending signal that your your goalie's not going to be beat that night, mm-hmm. and the guys rally around it. So, and and it takes something away from the opposition oh, yeah. too. <laughs> big time. And, I mean, the, frustration is a big part of playoffs. If you teams that don't let that stuff like that bother them tend to do better in my opinion but it can be just derailing if you are struggling to find a goal and all of a sudden you get a golden opportunity and you just get robbed oh it takes a lot out of you too so i've been on both ends of uh of that in a playoff series and um it can change change a game and and uh sometimes a lot of times one game depending on when it happens it, it swings a series and it's hard to recover from or you you know you got a team by down on the mat,
0: and all you gotta do is finish him off. Yeah, I I remember when that save happened, and Holtz makes that save for you guys, and your bench just erupts. I mean, it, it just brings so much energy. And the other guy's going, I can't, How can I not bury that? You know, it's such an effect right. on both sides of the game, and it's just uh, that desperation save that he made, maybe exactly what propelled you guys. Uh, as the only guy on the Flyers uh, to win a cup. Um, what would your kind of advice be to your teammates more in particular, maybe the younger guys on the team that don't have a lot of those Stanley cup playoff battles under their, on their resume just yet. And then the guy you play with and Ivan Proveroff, you know, got guys like connect and Phil Myers, Sandheim, a lot of young guys on this team. What would kind of your advice be to them on how to handle uh, going on, trying to go on a long run in the playoffs and try and get that trophy.
1: Well, it's something that uh, we were beginning to talk about before the pause. And, um, I think we will approach it again and address it. But, you know, luckily a bunch of guys on the flyers have played in the playoff series. So that helps. So they've at least got a taste of it. But I, I think in, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I mean, everybody talks about uh, passion and energy. And I think a, a lot of playoff hockey is between the years. Um, how hard can you push? You, you think you're pushing hard enough. You think you're sacrificing enough. Well, maybe we need, Need to recognize moments that you need to do more and do it harder and um so much of the playoffs is a game of attrition so if you if you're strong between the ears um that helps that if you're strong between the ears it helps you um overcome some tough times um things aren't going your way for a couple games how do you turn that around does that derail you or do you just rally around a tough situation and there's, there's going to be momentum swings um so i think if we can be tough, stick together, be tough mentally, um, we're going to be in a great spot because I believe we have the talent and the depth to, uh, to do some damage.
0: Yeah. I love the fact that you've had those, you were having those conversations already, uh, recognizing you guys were a good team. Um, Man, you're not anywhere near hanging it up just yet. you got a lot of game left in you. But, man, is coaching something that you would look at after you're done playing? Because the way you articulate the game, and can relate to the young players and the veteran players. To me, you have a lot to give to the game. I, I, I know it's maybe a weird question because you're in the middle of still playing, but have you ever thought about that?
1: <laughs> it, it's crossed my mind, but I don't I don't know how to run a computer right now. And the, the amount of video these guys do doing nowadays, I don't know if I can do it.
0: <laughs> we'll get you. Get, we'll get you like to like one of those computer schools in a crash course. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
0: um But, but it, it's no, amazing to I, me. It's I don't important.
1: think I would do it. But sorry, go
0: ahead. Uh, I mean, I, just like what you bring to the. T- I could see why. You know, you were a big piece to help this team because of all the experience that you've had over all these years in the league. I mean, you played 949 games in, in the NHL. And, you know, to be able to lend what you've gone through in very, a lot of circum different circumstances is something and your willingness to verbalize it, I think is really important.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes that stuff is overrated, but you know, I, I've been through a lot good and bad. Um, been around a long time. So I I feel it's my duty to share some knowledge and, um, at the right times I, I do it a little bit, but, um, I, I just remember what it was like being a young guy and some of the players that I played with and how much they've been through and um, the successes and the amount of time they've been around. And I looked up to those guys so much and leaned on them a lot when I was a younger player. So it's, uh, I think it's a duty of older players that have been around to kind of share their, their knowledge that they've gained.
0: Yeah. It's kind of given back what, to, what was given to you, uh, Matt last thing for you, because we all hope that you guys go on a tremendous run and, and uh, do one of the most difficult things in sports and get those 16 wins in the playoffs. Um, When you did do it a couple of years ago in Washington and you were handed uh, the the Stanley cup, what was that emotion like?
1: Oh, it's, uh, it's just the coolest thing for, uh, for our sport. I mean, you can't believe it's happening. You've, You've envisioned it so many times as a kid, your entire life, you've worked just, hours and hours and hours, uh, trying to get there, um, as a professional, um, you know, you think about all the conditioning skates you do leading up to it. You think, you know, just a million things start running through your head of what it took to get to that exact moment. And, um, you know, then you start thinking about your teammates and what you've all been through Sacrifice. to get to that moment too. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Of, of, um, what goes through your head and you, you just can't believe it's happening as it's happening. And it all goes by too fast. So I, you try to take it all in as it's happening and you can't wipe the smile off your face for weeks. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's the pinnacle for guys in our professional in our profession. So um, it was the coolest uh, couple weeks of my life for sure.
0: Yeah. And everybody asked that question too, they have a hard time answering it because sometimes words can't describe a uh, Uh, what it is really like and i mean i've never experienced it and i can only imagine as a kid growing up playing the game from four years old on and 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 everything what it must be like and uh sometimes words maybe don't even do it justice and maybe the second time you win it is when you can um slow it down the time a little bit and really enjoy it right
1: yeah, yeah, I, I would love nothing more than to do it again. Uh, you know, it, uh, a couple of weeks after that happened, I, I told a couple of people, I was like, yeah, I think I could do this again. This is fun. So um, the cool thing is we have, uh, we have the ability. There's a lot that goes into doing it, but we have the ability to do it. We're going to get a chance to it as long as everything uh, comes into place here for the rest of the summer.
0: Matt, thanks for doing this, man. I always love talking to you. You bring a tremendous amount of uh, great conversation. So I appreciate you doing this, man. Best of luck when you guys get ramped back up, and uh, hopefully it's a nice long run for you guys.
1: All right, thanks. Nice talking to you.
0: Thanks to Matt Niskanen for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Again, coming up this week, we should find out about the Hub Cities Hall of Fame induction class of 2020, and also coming up on Friday, the NHL draft lottery. The NHL will be in the news. A lot going on this week, so we'll keep you updated on everything as it goes. And again, on Wednesday's episode of Flyers Daily, Hall of Famer Bob Clark will join us right here. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, and thanks for listening to Flyers
1: Tale.